Where do we start this? And the answer doesn't matter. Help. We're having a good time. Right. <laughs> he couldn't wait to get in here. You need sales balls to make sales calls. Sure. I'm tweeting that puppy. <laughs> okay. Welcome to the Seller Die Podcast. We're your hosts, Jeffrey and Jen Gittimer. I'm the author of The Little Red Book of Selling and 15 other best-selling books and the creator of the seven-figure sales formula program. I grew up in Philadelphia, sold in New York City, but was smart enough to move to Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm the author of Sales in the New York Minute and creator of Breakthrough Business Babe Community. Fun fact, I'm obsessed with our dogs and consider them humans. If you have a dog, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Sell or Die is for sales professionals, salespeople, sales managers, entrepreneurs, and business owners who want to sell more at full price, earn loyalty, and have an unlimited stream of referrals. Every single episode is going to give you real-world, easy-to-implement solutions so that you can get your calls returned, your proposals read and acted on, all while creating relationships that you can take all the way to the bank. It's time to sell or die. Wow, we have a very special guest today. For 10 years, James Wedmore has taught entrepreneurs and online business owners how to leverage the power of online video and YouTube marketing to reach more people, share their message, and convert more customers. But in 2016, James made a massive shift to focus on a big gap missing in the marketplace, the mindset needed for entrepreneurship. He's the host of the excellent Mind Your Business podcast, which, by the way, I listen to obsessively, and his signature program, Business by Design. He's launched fleets of successful entrepreneurs who are making millions of dollars to this day. And He's one of my personal mentors, so I am so proud and so glad to bring him on this show. Diehards, please help me welcome James Wedmore. Low expectations, huh, James? <laughs> don't yes, screw. Amazing. Yeah, don't don't screw this one up. You can also use this at your funeral as a eulogy. <laughs> oh man! So, James. I know a lot of your story, but our diehards may not be so familiar. Can you tell us about your background and how you went from being a bartender to where you are now? Oh, of course. Um, when I was in in college, I <laughs> actually got a flat tire in front of a bartending school, ABC Bartending School in the city of Orange. And I was sitting there uh, bored while the like tow truck guy came and I walked in and then walked out with an eight hundred dollars <laughs> $800 later for uh, cool. signing up for bartending school and uh, went through the whole thing and, and had my own struggle of, Hey, I've got a bartender certificate and I couldn't get a job. Like I would literally go for job interviews at, at restaurants and they would laugh at me the moment that I pulled out my certificate. They're like, Oh, that's funny. You got scammed. You know, like you think that's going to get, get you a job. And I was like, but I paid $800. I went to the school for two weeks. And, um, so two things happened. So I decided, you know what? I don't need, I don't need a restaurant. I'm going to go uh, start my own business. And, uh, and I started renting out my bartending services and started doing private parties, weddings, birthdays, like you name it. 
uh, and I was doing it. And that really set me on a journey of like, oh, I, I'm, an, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I'm in a business. And so I learned, I learned a lot there. Um, and as I was learning about business, I was also learning that people were like the whole information marketing of, of, of teaching and selling information and grew the business and got a job, finally got a job as a bartender and just had this idea one day. I was like, I think I could make more money. I think I could grow the business faster if I was teaching people how to bartend than if I was actually doing it. And it was kind of like this bet that I set for myself. So this was November of 2007. I bought the domain bartendforprofit.com. And I said, you know, if I paid 800 bucks to learn how to bartend, I'm sure I could price it cheaper and teach people how to do it from home. And uh, spent six months like just obsessing over anything and everything I could get my hands on, um, including a few of Jeffrey's books. And uh, in, on April 18th, 2008, I got my very first sale for $200 for my online bartending school. And that was, that was it. Like that first sale, right? That's, that's the, the sale you never forget. Arlington, Texas, this person who purchased. And it was like a, a really simple like thought just kind of snapped in my, my mind. I said, well, if, I, if one person could buy, one complete stranger on you know, the other side of the country could pull out their credit card and say yes, then what about a second? And what about a third? And what about a fourth? And that just sent me on a journey of, I, I guess I got to learn how to market this thing. I got to learn how to sell it. And, um, and, and that's where I started. And that's where I learned a lot. Now, the short version is that I had a background in film. And I grew up making videos. And so everything I was doing that was working was me making a bunch of videos on the internet of me talking about bartending, teaching bartending tips. And this again, guys, this is back in 2008. That's like, you know, 100 years in internet years, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. I'd only been around a couple of years, but I had this film background. So I was very confident with the camera. I was doing fun things with it. And I started going to marketing events. And everyone, no one cared about the bartending thing. They all just kept saying, how are you doing this with video? How did you make that video? What are you doing here? Uh, and even that first sale that came in down at, you know, when you do the order form and it was like, how did you hear about us? The first sale said YouTube. And so I kept leaning more and more into learning about YouTube, learning about video. And, um, and then I finally, you know, the writing was on the wall. You get enough indicators, enough green lights. And I finally said, okay, I'm going to show others how to do what I did over on YouTube. And, um, and then we, we built an entire business from a $97 online course called Video Traffic Academy, showing people uh, how to make videos on YouTube. Like and it really worked. It worked. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. It, video conveys a message in a way that being in person can't mm. because mm -hmm. it's going to be repeated. Mm -hmm. People are going to look at it again and again and again to, to get it. If you're on stage, nobody's going to say, can you, can you give that speech again? I didn't quite get all. <laughs> Repeat. Yeah. So when did you know it was time to transition out of videos and into mindset? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like how, did you, how did you know? Yeah. Not just when. Well, I'm going to get all like weird and sappy for a moment, but uh, it, it was just how I felt. What happened was I was creating these, these courses and training programs and online classes for people to learn how to make videos. And they would come back as a testimonial, as a, I did it, as a hashtag win. And their win was I made a video. Mm -hmm. And the first thought just kept popping in my mind. I was like, oh, that's just the beginning. 
you have no idea what lays ahead of you. It's mm-hmm. like, congrats, you can make a video, but <laughs> the video doesn't build your business. And, and I just kept having that thought over and over again. And, and then that was coupled with, so is that really like what I'm here to do is just teach people how to make a video on their iPhone or something. And then another, that was coupled with another thought, which is if I really look at what it took me, because now we're talking about 2016, this is years later, of what it took from me to create the business that I did. I was like, it's so much more than just a video. And, and then it really just became this nagging feeling of if, if you really want to help people, teaching them how to make a video is not even scratching the surface. Um, and so all it did, all I did was say, um, I made the decision and even that, whew, that took six to seven months that I'm going to start a podcast and just talk about these other things that really made the difference for me. And I'll tell you, releasing that podcast, which I think, yeah, I released in January of 2016. Um, scariest thing. I, I don't know why too. It's not rational. You know, fear isn't rational, right? But it was the scariest thing I've still to this day ever done in my business was releasing that podcast. Because you think about it, you build a million or two plus a year business. We had, I had an email list of 200,000 people. We'd had millions of views on the YouTube channel. Now you have something else. You have like something to lose. You have a reputation. You have people watching you. When you're just getting started, you know, we're all scared of, is this going to work? Is this going to work? Is this going to work? But when you've got something, you're like, what if this doesn't last? What if I make a mistake? How will they think? How will they judge me? What if they all leave me? And so I had a lot of that stuff come up when I released that podcast because everyone's following me for like, oh, what's the best camera? What's the best codec and editing and nerdy stuff, you know? And here I was in the podcast sharing a message of a lot of the, the deeper inner work that I'd been doing that took on a real weird spiritual context for a lot of people. Um, but at the end of the day, it was, I would, be, I would be lying to myself. I would be lying to others if I wasn't truly sharing what I attribute my success to. So I made that decision to release it. And yeah, a lot of people are like, yeah, no, I'm gone. I'm out. I mean, our email list went from over 200,000 down at its lowest down to 30,000. And, you know, it's kind of that whole like cheesy cliche of like, one door has to close before another one can open. That's not a cliche. (laughs) (laughs) That's a self-fulfilling prophecy. (laughs) It it is, you know, but I hear, you hear all these, it's, you know, that brings up another great conversation. We hear all these quotes so often that we tend to not see how they apply in our own lives in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I knew I had to let other, another audience go in order to bring in a whole different audience. Um, And the, and the business has grown exponentially since then, but you got to let those like dips and those transitions take place uh, as you transition. Um, But that was, that was definitely very scary. I mean, but there has to be some kind of silver bullet that you shoot on a regular basis because your, your subscribers, the members of your, of your tribe are loyal to the death. They, they love you. They love your message. They love your coaching. They love your ideas. And they attribute their success to you. How much more of a messiah can you possibly be in the entrepreneurial space? Your name comes up more than once a day in our office. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no, you don't, have a, you don't have a first name. You know, it's like, it's actually James Wedmore. There's no adjective that precedes you or adverb. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what that silver bullet is other than, um, you know, I got, I just, this, the simplistic version is I got, I got really honest with myself in what made the difference for me. And I 
And I just want to share that, you know, unapologetically, fullheartedly with others as much as I possibly can. I think much more of it, especially, and, I, and maybe Jennifer can attest to this, but when I'm working with clients in any capacity, I'm already operating because look, I, here's the part of the story that I don't tell. I'm, I'm not the person that should be here. Like I'm not the person that should be successful. I'm not the, the person that should be on the stages, booking the events and, and doing all those things. Like if you, it, you wouldn't even recognize me 10, 12 years ago. Um, I have a before and after photo that I posted on Instagram. People were blown away. I was 70 pounds heavier, full of acne, had the lowest self-esteem, like self-loathing, just no confidence, nada, none of that. And I was even went to my first marketing event, a Dan Kennedy event in 2007 with my dad. And someone was up there speaking and he nudges me on the shoulder. and He's like, one day that'll be you. And I basically had a panic attack. I was like, please, no, 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 no. And so the amount of stuff that I had to do to become that version of myself where those type of results were a natural byproduct, where that becomes inevitable, I just operate from like, if I can freaking do it, anybody else can. Let me just say, rest his soul, you learned from one of the great translators of all time, Dan Kennedy. Mm. That, oh, guy, yeah. that guy knew how to transfer a message and if you ever saw him live in a seminar, he would come on last as people were leaving, sell his stuff, and he always outsold everybody else who was there in the back of the room, always. Well, when I kind of told you before the show, 2007, I walked into a Barnes & Noble with $89 in my bank account. I remember because I bought... Well, first of all, I sat in the bookstore for about three or four hours in the business section. And, um, and I bought $80 worth of books. So I had less than $10 to my name when I left. And two of those books, one was Dan Kennedy's No BS Business Success. That book changed my life because mm -hmm. the first chapter, he defines what an entrepreneur is. And I thought like the guy was reading my soul. I was like, how do you know me so well? <laughs> like, this is me. And, um, and I've, I've read that book a dozen times now. And your book, The Little Book of Yes. I, did I say it wrong? I just remember it was... The Little Red. Book of Yes attitude, <laughs> yes. but that's fine. It's enough of a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> And that though, I mean, those two books, uh, there were a few books that I bought that I never even got through. I just, I was like, no, I shouldn't have got those books. But those two books I read over and over and uh, were life-changing for me. Like those were pivotal moments in, in the, those, you know, those first beginning stages were like, I have an idea. And those books got me a lot of momentum. Well, and, two uh, things, James, immediately. Number one, thank you very much. And number two, you owe me. <laughs> Checks in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> I, I loved that book because you just go through so much and you don't even know it. I didn't recognize it at the time, but I was, I was going through a, a mental, emotional roller coaster on a daily basis. Like I'd wake up out of bed in the morning and I'd question my entire existence. Mm -hmm. Like, what am I doing? What was I thinking? This is a mistake. And then I would just start like reading a page or two of your book. And you just, I just started like feeling better. Oh, you know, it, it's, I don't, there's a purpose behind that book. And the purpose was you can open that book anywhere, read two pages and you're cool. Yep. And that's exactly what I did. Yep. That's way to go. That was the purpose of the book. literally. <laughs> Very cool. Um, so, so I'm going to send you with no payment, please. <laughs> I'm going to send you a dozen autographed copies and you can give on. them out to anybody. 
come on. Because you know what? I wasn't going to say it, but I actually, that book was so powerful to, my, to me that I had a friend who was going through a very deep, dark depression. And I gave him that book. And he, he, went to, he came down to my house because I live in Laguna Beach and it's like a nice place to just get away from it all. He lived up in LA and LA can suck can at kill times. kill you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he sat there on the beach. He read that book and he completely, I'm not even joking, completely turned uh, his life around. Wow. He, he became um, from that very book, devoutly religious, ends up now he's a youth pastor. Wow. He was like, not religious, not, not Christian at all. And like, just started going to church the next day. Written by um, a heathen. <laughs> and, again, <laughs> and, and I don't know, but I don't know what it was that, but he, and it's like it com- that moment, like completely cool. turned his life in a completely different That is different, so cool. cool. Wow. So you'll That's get your a, dozen books. Well, Jen, I'm sure knows your address by he heart. Never, he never gave me the book back. Oh my God. Oh. That's All right, so you'll, you'll now get your first edition. Um, <laughs> that's oh, awesome. man. Cool. That's so, so cool. So I want to go back to what you were talking about, where you were talking about figuring out how to become that person who you needed to be. And you talk a lot about in our sessions and on our trainings that people have it all backwards. Like we think that in order to be the person we want to become, we first need to get all the money to get there. Can yep. you talk us through that? Oh, yeah, of course. And I just want to say before we get into that, that t- bringing up a lot of this stuff with you guys is, um, you know, this is part of that, like that hustle phase where you're just like, you're trying to figure everything out and you don't even know what's going to happen. I don't know about you guys, but for me, there's such a sense of nostalgia for it. Oh, of course. <laughs> yes. Are you kidding me? You can remember everything. You know, it's just like the story you were telling me um, b- before the call. It's like, those were the good old days, right? And I think that's an important takeaway for anybody listening who maybe is, is going through that a similar time where maybe you're, you're just getting started, you're learning, you're trying to figure something out or you're, you're down to your last dime. And this is the weirdest advice to give, but like fall in love with this time, like honor this time because I promise you when you get to that place you want to go, you will look back and you will have that same sense of nostalgia. You will... You will just like reminisce on like that time when you were learning and trying to figure it all out and making mistakes every day. And there really is something about that. There, the, the journey is what makes the destination even as great as it is. Not that there is any actual destination, but it, it's, it's what we're doing it for. Diehards, you know? if you're listening to this and not quite getting it, James and I had in common that we both invested our last dollars to our names in ourselves. And if you're willing to do that, then you're really willing to take the step to become successful. If you are not willing to do that, something's missing in your belief system. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Jennifer, let's see if I can, I can answer your question a little sure. bit. When we say backwards, like I, I call it uh, conditional living okay. or conditional operating where people are letting their current circumstances dictate which decisions and which actions they take for the future. So how much money we have or don't have, how much time we have or don't have, how much knowledge we have, how are the resources, even here's a big one that comes up in my community is the support we have or don't have. And I really want to like acknowledge anybody, especially our female entrepreneurs out there um, that, you know, you have a spouse that like doesn't get it yet. And, um, and how much, we let our dreams die because someone else can't see our vision. And that's just a reminder 
that they're not supposed to. Like that's why we are visionaries is that it's our, it's our job to see what others can't see. Right. And that's our job is to, is to hold on to that vision. Even when the whole world can't see it, can't believe it. That's, that's what we do as, as an entrepreneur. That's what we do. So what happens is, is we let our current circumstances influence massively the decisions and the actions that we take today. Mm -hmm. Yet our current circumstances are the byproduct of yesterday's or the past decisions. Basically, that's why it's, it's, it's backwards, is you're letting the past, in the present moment, you're letting your past determine your future. And when you let your past determine your future, you repeat your past. And this is why most people stay stuck. This is why most people will uh, repeat their current circumstances, right? And so it just, even just to bring back full circle, Jeff's example of, of he could have said, I only have X amount of dollars in my bank account. Therefore, I can't go buy this ad space. Wow. And that would be letting the current circumstances of how much money he has or doesn't have determine what he does. And uh, if he would have said no to that, he wouldn't have gotten the big you know, $400,000 deal. And so we must like the, the, the simple, simplistic way that I approach this for myself is I look at what's the next goal or milestone. And a lot of people, as soon as they say like, what's the goal, what's the milestone, what's the next you know, destination you want to hit, most people get all screwy with time. Well, by when, by when? I was like, it doesn't matter. If it's inevitable, the time doesn't matter. Um, so let's say someone's like, you know what, I want to, I want to do, uh, my next goal is to, to be doing $20,000 a month. So I'm making decisions from, and look, I, I want to say, and this is, I didn't invent this. This is, this has been around a long time, but the, the difference is, is that we can hear these things as concepts. The real work is, can you operate this way? Can you, when it comes down to it, can you make those tough calls? Can you make those tough decisions when you're scared AF? Can you do it anyways? And so the simple question is, if, if your next goal was like, I want to I have a $20,000 a month business, can you begin today, not then, but today, make decisions like a $20,000 a month business would? Can we begin operating, thinking, acting, making decisions, taking actions like a $20,000 a month business? Mm -hmm. I believe firmly that the more we're, we're doing that, the more we align our actions with the, t the right type of results that we want. And that's exactly what, let's see, it was 2018. Uh, I did that. Um, I, did, I, made, I made that a huge concerted effort. It was a new habit of thought of we set a huge goal, $10 million a year business. And at the time, we just wrapped, finished 2017 at 3 million. Wow. And I just started asking myself the question multiple times a day. What would a $10 million a year CEO do? How would he focus his time, his effort, his energy? Where's the best use of his output? What would he do here? And I just kept asking that over and over again. And the, here's the tricky part is that you don't know the answer, <laughs> right? And you have to be okay with not knowing the answer. You have to be okay with just being curious again. You have to be okay with being the scientist, the experimenter. And I kept asking and I kept asking and I got it wrong just as much as I got it right. But we took the business in one year from 3 million to just over eight. And that's the biggest growth that we've had in now, you know, 10, 12 years. Um, and I firmly attest it to that guiding light, th that guiding question more than anything else. And my role today, where I spend my time and energy is vastly, vastly, and I can give you the specifics, 
but vastly different than where it was 18 months ago. So diehards, James is saying, make all decisions based on the person you want to become, Absolutely. not what happened 10 years ago in a parking lot. Just to wrap that up, is whereas what most people are doing is doing the opposite, is saying, well, that's easy for you to say, I'll do that once I have the money. Bingo. Yes. Yeah. Once I have the time. And that is where it's backwards is because then you're letting your current circumstances determine what, what you are capable of, what you're willing to do and not do. And you just repeat your circumstances. Do you know the Debbie Field story? No. Her husband did not believe in her ability to make or sell a cookie. And literally verbally abused her mm. about her inability to do anything and make it happen. In spite of that, she opened up the store and didn't do much business and thought that her husband was right. And then grabbed a basket, filled it with cookies, went out in the street and gave it away and said, come back to the store if you want more. And they all did. Mm -hmm. oh, I love it. So love she it. was able to overcome the disbelief and her own potential disbelief with her belief in her own product. And if you don't believe in it, you're toast. Absolutely. Now, I believe that others' lack of belief in you is simply that test for you. It's testing your belief in yourself, just like Jeffrey said. And the good news is, is you don't need anyone else to believe in you, your vision, your business, your goals, that their belief in you has no bearing whatsoever on your performance, unless you let it. Right. Their belief in you is determined by their belief in themselves. They believe that they are better than you are. And if you present a wild idea to them, they're going to go, well, I couldn't do it. So therefore you couldn't do it. Exactly. It has nothing to do with you. Um, and in those moments, even when the people closest to us give us an experience of them not believing in us, it's still our choice in how we interpret it in the, on the meaning that we put on those. And I'm very lucky that I, because I had a lot of people that didn't, I have very supportive parents. I was young when I started my business. I had to move back home with them, but all my friends, you know, a girlfriend break up with me over it. And like, I literally had friends laughing at me. And my, the whole meaning I put on it was simply, I can't wait to prove them wrong. I cannot wait to laugh at them when I show them how wrong they were. They all still have car payments. Yeah. <laughs> they, every once in a while, they reach out to me and they're like, hey, see what you're doing. Can I pick your brain? Uh, yeah. You're like, ha, ha, ha. The, the, what they say is, can I buy you lunch and pick your brain? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. And I say, um, I have a $1,000 an hour brain picking fee and I'll buy your lunch. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So you talked about how in 2016 you found some of this, or you started talking about some of this woo stuff. Can you define woo for our audience? Because I think that they're, that there are still some people who are anti-woo or don't really understand the woo. Like, what is it to you? And before you answer, Jane, uh, I, I need you to understand that Jenny is a full-blown woo babe. <laughs> it's gone from woo to woo-hoo. I'm all about the woo. <laughs> yeah. Boy, that's a challenging, interesting question. Let's see how I can define it. The first is, I think, in the most simplistic sense, it's the word people have used in the past to describe things that they don't feel is tangible, existing in 3D reality, uh, or measured and proven by, by science. Okay. Okay. I think that's, that's traditionally, oh, that's just that woo-woo stuff, mm -hmm. right? 
Now today people just kind of, yeah, let's just call it woo-woo and let's embrace it. And I'm totally woo-woo, which is a really exciting time to be in, in my opinion. This is simply how I de- determine all of that uh, or, or define all of what w- what you mean by this, this woo-woo stuff. To me, in the most simplic- simplistic sense, is about putting a spiritual and um, energy-based context on our experience of life. That there is more than meets the eye in that um, what we experience through 3D physical world is not all of reality. Um, and and that now, now careful what you ask next, because that's just going to open up. Did you grow like, up with the woo? Like, were you always woo? Oh, it's a really great question. So um, yes and no. My, my mom like kept us open to it. My dad, no. My, uh, it's beautiful to have both worlds. Like my mom was super open. My dad just like still to this day, completely scoffs at it. My, my mom was always open to it. And then she gave me the Abraham Hicks book, Ask and It Is Given in about 2006, like right as I was starting my business. And I was like, asking it is given. I thought it was like a, like a bargaining book or something or like how to make a deal or something. You know, I was like, cool, what's this? And then in the first chapter or like the preface, it talks about how there's a woman channeling a bean. And I remember taking the book and just throwing it in the garbage. And I was like, and I like got mad at my mom. I was like, please never give me this type of crap ever again. I probably broke her heart that day. What a, what a jerky son. <laughs> Um, I was a lot just like, you know, operating from my father's side right there. And then, you know, through a series of events, that world just kept presenting itself to me. And um, I was open enough to look at it objectively, like as a scientist. I was like, well, let's test this. Let's see. And the short version is I just kept seeing miracle after miracle, for lack of better words, example after example of things in my life. And so one of my favorite examples I love to give is uh, about 2000, 2008, 2009, I had a girlfriend at the time and her birthday was approaching and she wanted to go to a, a Tony Robbins UPW for her birthday. And I was like, me too. So this would be an awesome gift because I, I get to celebrate it. I get, I get to benefit from your gift too. So I called up Tony Robbins offices because they had one coming in Long Beach. And I said, I'd like two tickets. How much are they? They said, it's $1,000. My immediate reply was, do you have a payment plan? And the woman laughed at me. She literally laughed at me because I asked for a payment plan on $1,000. So I said, okay, uh, let me check my bank account. I'll get back to you. Now, at the time, I had $500 in my bank account. And when I went to go check my bank account, I had totally forgotten. But I, I don't know if you guys ever had this happen. I left my Google AdWords account on and it just debited $500 from my account. I had less than a dollar to my name. And... um Oh, I was like heartbroken. And I, I just hit this like really depressing low all of a sudden because I'm like, how pathetic am I? I can't even get my girlfriend a birth. I can't even get her a card for her birthday. I'm pathetic. Um, but I'd been learning this weird woo-woo stuff. And I, in that moment, I had an opportunity to learn a lesson. And the lesson I learned was that I was so uh, limited in, and this is where a lot of people are, is focusing so much on the how to get to where they want to get go. And so, in other words, the destination was be at Tony Robbins' event in Long Beach, two tickets. And the only strategy that I had in my mind was, well, have $1,000, make $1,000, and then you can go. And because I didn't have $1,000, I then said, then I can't go. It's not possible. And so I noticed that in that moment. I said, well, what if I still could go? 
what if there was a possibility that existed where I could still go even if I didn't have the money? And that was the first time that that type of thought had ever crossed my mind. And that's where it's like this operating from the outcome, operating from outcome-oriented questions and playing in that possibility of, of this could actually happen despite not having the revenue, the, the circumstances that you want. And then because it was for somebody else, it made it very easy for me to just make a decision. You know what? This is for somebody I really care about. This is not for me. This is for them. This is, I'm going to make this happen. This is going to happen. And I just, I just decided. And it was like this, this, this moment of like inevitability that happened of like, I'm going to be there. We're both going to be there. I see it. I feel it. And I just know it. Two days later, a friend calls me up that I haven't heard from in months and says, let's play tennis. And I'm really sitting there saying, no, because I got to figure out how to make this money for this thing. I don't have time to go play tennis, but okay, fine. I'll go do it. And within two or three swings across the net, they start asking me, so like, what are you up to? And I started telling them what I'd been doing in my video business. At the time, I was like making videos for people. And they said, would you make one for me? And I said, yeah. And they go, if you do, I've got two Tony Robbins tickets for you with your name on it. And I just <laughs> dropped the racket and like chills went down my entire spine. I was like, what did you just say? And they're like, I, there's a Tony Robbins event coming up and I've got a good friend who's a rep. They just got me a bunch of tickets. I'll barter with you if you're interested. And sure enough, I made that video, got those tickets and, and we were there. And that was enough wow. for me to just begin like opening up myself to more possibility in my life. Okay, so diehards, think about your woo story. And I'm going to define it and you can use this, James, if you ever want to. There's two ways to look at things. One is shit happens. The other is the woo way. Shit happens for a reason. And if you can get that, then you can get the beginning of why woo is okay or why woo is, is just believable. Um, I want to go back to your statement just a little while ago about working hard. My mentor told me hard work makes luck. And so the, the, it's amazing to me, the harder you work, the luckier you become. Isn't that unbelievable? Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually really love what you said about shit happens for a reason, because when you asked me to define woo, I said it, it gave me a spiritual context and you, it, you know, use what you want, but it gave me a spiritual context for, for my life. And the best way I can describe that is it's, it's like giving a 50,000 foot view of your life, seeing a bigger picture because I think we're naturally wired to always ask why. Why did this happen? Why, 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 why? And with that spiritual context and that even this idea of like, shit happens for a reason, it, it kind of answers that question and, and can give us a lot of peace. In, instead, we ask why and we start saying, oh, I'm just an unlucky person or I'm not cut out for it. I hear those stories all the time. I'm just not cut out for this. I don't have what it takes. And then that becomes now the, the context through which we live our life. And I've chosen to say those things happen for one reason and one reason only. There's, there's something we need to learn. There's, there's something that we need to learn that is a prerequisite for the goal or outcome that we want. And the only reason that you don't have the goal, you don't have the, the revenue, you don't have the thing that you want is because you haven't learned the lesson yet. And I, I, so I attribute my growth and my, my personal growth is that I was, I'm just a really good student. They're just kept learning. I said, oh, cool. I, I screwed the that up and, and there's a lesson there. I'm gonna, I got it. I learned it. Let's, let's move on. Let's learn the next one. 
My dad taught me you don't need to know the mm. reason why. You just have to know there's a reason. Ooh. And you'll find out the reason why over time. And so that in, in the gold book of Yes Attitude, my quote is, man thinks, God laughs. <laughs> it's an old Jewish expression, but it is so true. Like you're thinking about all kinds of things. What if, what if, what if? And all of a sudden totally. you play tennis with a guy and he gives you two tickets. And yeah. You know, and then that's why people say hindsight's twenty twenty, right? You look back and you're like, oh, that's why it happened that way. Exactly. That's cool. Yeah, that's that's way really cool. cool. Yeah, that's way, way cool. I hope this opens up some of our diehards. Oh, totally. To, being to the woo process. Woo. <laughs> you know, uh, I define serendipity as God's way of that. remaining anonymous. That's good. And it's totally true. If you live a life that is a good life, if you're, if you're kind, you do random acts of kindness, if you do the right thing for the most part, um, you know, eight out of 10 commandments, like as far bee. as I'm concerned, no, that's getting pretty a good. Right there. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, but the challenge is what do you do every day that you're proud of? Yeah. Hey mom, I just did this. That's the real answer for you. And you did it. To go back to your, to your phrase, shit happens for a reason. And I want to add to that and say, and that reason is always for you. Yeah. It's always, that reason is there to serve you. Like, I firmly believe that. Um, I was asked recently on a podcast, what's my favorite quote? And uh, it was the quote uh, um, by Rumi that says uh, something to the effect of, life is all rigged in your favor. Cool. And, you know, that's, it's a cool quote. And then it's, um, man, when you, when you like live from that, I, I, that was just life-changing for me. It's like even in the darkest of times or the worst of problems, you know that this is happening for you for a reason that's here to serve you. It's, um, and, and I look, I, 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 um, I've, I've had, you know, in 12 years, I've had business issues that in the moment were very scary. Things that were big and, and drastic. And you look back and I'm the most grateful for those in that moment because that's when I grew the most. That's when I got, you, it moves you the most. It gets your attention the most. Sure. It's, it's like how pain in the body is there to get your attention. You know, it's pain serves a purpose that's actually there for a reason. And, and I look at the struggles and, and problems of business the same way. It's just like, hey, pay attention. So, something needs to be addressed here. But in the moment, okay, so like right now, it's easy to think that. You know, when things are going well, it's easy to be like, yeah, life's all rigged in my favor, right? But in the moment when you're going through that hard time, and I, I really want to dig into this a little bit because I think that's the hardest time to live from that, but that's the time you need it most. And so what do you do and what do you recommend our diehards do to continue that mindset? To me, everything is through questions. Uh, it was Richard Bandler is the founder of NLP, said the quality of your life is determined by the quality of questions you ask. And so I think I'm very good at asking myself really good questions. And there are two types of questions. There's outcome-oriented questions, and then there's problem-oriented questions. The problem-oriented questions are the ones like, why is this happening to me? Why does this owe it? You know, those why questions uh, rarely end well. But what questions can lead... And the subconscious mind, its job is to answer any question that you propose to it. So it's beautiful. It just goes to work on that. So in those moments, I'll ask things as simple as, what is this here to teach me? What is the lesson for me? And then here's a really great one. And, and this, is, this works whether you're going through something now or something in the past that you really haven't let go of is, where's the good in this? 
Now that's a, that's a powerful question because even the question, where is the good in this already presupposes that there is good in it and it's your job to find it. Where's the good in this? And uh, there's always good. There's always something there to serve you. And so I'm always asking those questions, but one other thing that helped me, and, it, and this won't apply to everybody, um, but it applied to me, is that as a business owner that coaches other business owners, any problem I go through today, the first thing that clicks in my head is, yes, more experience that I get to accrue so that I can be better equipped to help my students. Wow. Two, two things, in a, in a barn full of horseshit, there's always a pony. <laughs> He's around there somewhere. Oh my God. <laughs> you just got to go I, I need to get it. all these cool, I need to create all my little and, quotes like this because I have none of those. <laughs> and this, the second Come one Come on, is, we're time. <laughs> the second one is pain is not a problem. Pain is a symptom. Mm -hmm. And if you understand that you're getting this pain for some reason, then you have a shot at coming up with the cure or the process that will take you to less pain. It's a crazy concept when you tell people that like Advil doesn't cure a headache. It's just numbing the pain. It's, right. it's right. just addressing symptoms. And you might have a headache because you're dehydrated, but until you start drinking more water, you're not actually solving the problem. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Got a headache, need Advil. No, no. Got a headache, got to figure out where the headache's coming from. <laughs> Man, this has so, been amazing. Yeah, so you're actually a pretty smart guy when <laughs> if you just stop and listen. I've read some great books. <laughs> and the oh, challenge man. for our diehards is they may not know you. Uh, Why don't they know you? You know what? I We hired a um, consultant about 18 months ago to do like an entire brand audit. And she gave us the most fast... So she interviewed like customers, people that were like followers and stuff, and then did this whole 90 day audit. It was just, an amazing experience. And one of the things that she said then, and we've worked better at it, is um, she's like, people who are in your programs, she says, have a very high level of like love and, and affinity factor is very high. She says, but outside of that, you don't have omnipresence. And, um, you know, that really like, wow, she's like, not this, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people outside don't know you at that level. Yeah. And, um, if I were to give my, uh, you know, speculated guesses on why that has been, I think something that I always struggle with is, uh, I don't have any things like bestselling books. Um, I don't do a lot of speaking. Um, so things like that can really help, but, and please don't take this the wrong way in terms of like me sounding like I'm conceited or something. But I don't water down my message and make it like super basic and simple for a lot of people. In fact, the hardest thing I, I do is like sometimes the stuff I share is like complex or I don't know, more advanced or, you know, it's not like, hey, quote of the day, you can do it. You know, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> and so that's something we've struggled mm -hmm. with. And like we have, so we have someone on our team who's our, um, social media manager, Evie, and she runs our Instagram. And it's our posts that are the most simple. She, and she'll take some, a quote of mine and she's like, we kind of have to dumb it down a little bit. And then when she does, it gets more engagement, more likes, more, more shares. You know, and that's always a wow. bummer for me, you know, um, but the more simple stuff. So yeah, other than that, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not someone who's very good at self-promotion. 
a lot of my effort in the business is is focused on content and teaching. So I think it's a it's it's a, a number of those things all put together. I don't know. I'm going to throw an idea at you. Yeah, well, I'd need, I'd need one first. <laughs> yeah, well, I know someone who can help we with can that. Fig- I can fix that part. I can fix that part with not only with content, but with, with publisher. But I, you're at a point where people are willing to pay more because it's you. And if think about the market disruption you would cause mm-hmm. with a $99 book. I'm all, I'm all about disruption though. Like I'm everyone would buy. No, no. Sold. Okay. Everyone would buy it because it contains things that not everyone's going to understand. What do you mean? I can't understand it. Give me that fucking book. <laughs> I mean, when I would go to the horse races, when I was a sophomore in college, I'd pay 500 bucks to watch a horse come in second. <laughs> and so, oh, man. and so your job is to create something that no one else has done. You've already done it with woo. <laughs> and so it's, we're going to call the book the Wedmore way. And if you don't want it, get out of the way. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Jeffrey's like writing your book. Oh over yeah. Here. <laughs> I love it. No, this has been amazing. Where should people go to get more James? Should they yeah, go if to you're on Instagram? Instagram? We spend a lot of time on there. We really, we really love the platform. If, if in fact, if you're not using Instagram in your business, I would highly recommend it. Something's wrong. Um, right predominantly because like what we just see more and more, I mean, this sounds so like, duh, I know this already, but it's just like more and more prevalent is, is how critical connection becomes as part of the sales process. And right now I don't see a place that gets someone to connect with you in a more real authentic way than through Instagram. Because when you combine that with like the Instagram stories and like, getting in the DMs, the direct messaging, it, it feels like a text message, but with, with just someone who follows you. And I mean, we've had sales happen from that. We've, you know, closed sales in, in our launches from that. We've, got, we've done surveys in there. We've, we've sold tickets to events from, from, from an Instagram DM. And we just, we love the platform. Uh, so absolutely, you can, <laughs> you can hang out with me there. I turned that into like a teaching piece. Um, uh, also, I'd, I'd invite anybody who's even slight. In fact, if you're skeptical of the stuff that we kind of started to talk about, I, I want you even more so because I invite the skeptics because I was extremely, I mean, I threw the book away and was extremely skeptical for a long time. And I really, I want to honor that skepticalness because look, you didn't learn this stuff in school. School doesn't teach you this stuff. Um, but it is becoming more and more mainstream, which is very exciting. And there is a, a big science component uh, quantum physics uh, conversation that I bring into it so that we can, um, ha- you know, tap into the left brain logical side of ours so that it's like, oh, this actually does make sense. Um, and, um, you know, so that's my podcast, Mind Your Business podcast. We're almost at 300 episodes now. And, um, gosh, we're about to hit wow. 4 million downloads. And I do at least one a week, sometimes two or three, depends on what mood I'm in. Uh, and we just like, we explore all of this in how it applies to every area of business from, from improving your money, your relationship with money, because money is just energy and how we can attract more money to what to do with when, when your spouse doesn't support your dreams to um, how to, how to scale your business, like everything in between and, and how this really applies to all that. So keep, keep this in mind also that our 10 year old daughter, I know I shouldn't have a 10 year old daughter, but I do. <laughs> Our 10-year-old daughter communicates by DM. Yes. 
So that's yeah. also Absolutely. the future. Text. Jen, I'm going out to get lunch on DM. Like I'm checking my DM every minute. Like you what? Know, my <laughs> friends reach out to me more on Instagram than they do. Text. I'm like, you have my phone number. Why are you? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. So anyway, um, this is an amazing interview, diehards. I would recommend not only listening to this, but studying it. And I would look for the intricacies in this because it's giving you an opportunity to understand yourself and your circumstance, not just the crap that's happening to you on the outside that you're blaming other people for your own misgivings or your own misinterpretations or even your own misdeeds. So uh, Wedmore gets it and he gets it pretty well. And he's actually a pretty nice guy in spite of the fact he's from California. Hey, where you're I like California. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, your redeeming qualities are you have a car and you're right That's near good. an In-N-Out burger. And, we have earthquakes. <laughs> <laughs> and you have the 405. You're fine. Yeah. Oh, man. So. Uh, Thank you for being here with us. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate you having me on. Total pleasure, James. Total pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to Sell or Die. We hope that this episode has helped you transform the way you think, given you new ideas, and provided you a new perspective on the sales and business challenges that you face every day so you can get out there and win the customer all the way to the bank. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to rate and review. Each review helps us help more people just like you make a difference in this world. Don't forget to take a screenshot, share it in your Instagram stories and tag us at Jeffrey Gittimer and at Jen Gittimer. See, See you next, next week. week.